0: Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL radio. Baltimore sports and life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens and the university of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board like BSL on Facebook, and follow bsl on twitter hey everybody welcome back to the bank i'm here with my co-host gabe ferguson um you guys can check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com we both write um, articles over there we're both active posting on the message board over there Um, we'd love to hear from you we'd love to get you involved in the conversation um but gabe here we are uh after our ravens loss and after an unexpected ravens loss that i think the last time we were here when we were both talking about it we expected at least a seven point win for the Ravens. We kinda we kinda were surprised that Vegas and the line was as low as it was. And lo and behold, maybe they were onto something. Um, you know, what were you, you know, I, I guess the right place to start is takeaways from last week. You know, I've obviously been pretty down on this team and pretty down on the consistency. None of that has changed right now. So, you know, I'll let you take us through <laughs> starting on this. So we're not we're not too negative right up front.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like to give things a positive spin. Um, it was it was a tough game to watch. Obviously, um, we had expectations that, that the Ravens would kind of win easily against the Patriots team that you know has struggled for most of the year, and they um, they really matched up well in this game against the Ravens. Um, I, I think that's a, I think a couple of things that I overlooked were you know potential matchup issues, and I didn't see the weather being such a factor. I, I did not take a chance to look at what the weather report would be. I didn't know it was going to be a monsoon in the second half. Um, I think those things worked against the Ravens. Um, and, you know, that's partially on them to, to you know, be, be better equipped to play in conditions like that. Um, I think we obviously have all seen the, the mascara snaps to nobody. Um, that had a pretty large effect on the outcome, I think. Um, and then also, like, Players were just dropping the ball because it was waterlogged, it was slippery, you couldn't get footing. It was, just, it was just hard to play in those conditions. That's not to excuse the Ravens' loss because I don't think they were prepared. We saw that the Patriots ran all over them for much of the game. The Ravens didn't make the proper adjustments until way too late on defense. Um, you know, Obviously, losing Brandon Williams hurt. They were down a few other players on defense. So it was kind of a lot of things coming together to really make it a game that went against the Ravens. I think there are some positives you could take away from it. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson actually played a pretty good game, um, especially in the conditions. Um, He looked pretty sharp as a passer. He made a lot of correct reads. Um, We saw some of the good things we've liked in the offense from the week before in terms of like quick hitting passes, some of the play action shots, some of the movement in the the pre-snap motion. Um, I hope that those are going to be things that we see moving forward. And, you know, that's the hope that, You know, the offense can continue to string together um, some good drives and we'll get into some of the groove that we saw them hit last year. They just haven't been able to hit it this year. Um, Do you have any ideas to what's going on with the offense and and what you're seeing? Yeah, you know (sighs) –
0: there are two things that you know i want to say here the first thing i'll talk about is how hard this team has been to watch and this has been something we've been talking a little bit at baltimore sports and in the forum about and i think it's worth kind of breathing out a little bit in terms of discussion um because it's like why is this team so challenging to watch like and, and some people are saying oh well last year was last year and last year was this once in a lifetime regular season where for 10 weeks in a row, they were just absolutely lighting it up, and it was just a ton of fun. And that is, in some senses, true. But I push back a little bit because the Buffalo game, the 49ers game, and the Seattle game were not blowouts start to finish. They weren't like the Rams game, right? Like, we got together for the Rams game, and I, I was late because I was – doing something for work. And by the time I showed up, the game was already over, right? Um, All the games weren't like that, right? Like even the 49ers game was fun to watch last year. And that was even with Raheem Mostert running all over the Ravens during that game, right? That was still a fun game. The Ravens were still executing at a very good level. I think in that game, and that was a waterlogged game too. um, If I recall it, I think I was back in DC for that game. Um, But you know, at the end of the day, The thing that's holding this team back continues to be the thing that we talk about every week, which is their inconsistent ability to execute anything. And and when I say anything, I mean literally pick a phase of the game and they cannot seem to execute. They, They can't seem to stop holding in the secondary, even though they know that the refs are kind of gunning at them from a flag perspective. They can't line up. They can't snap the ball. They can't block off on offensive line. They can't block left to right. They're missing. They're dropping passes like every single week there's a reason why those things happened or you know we're willing to let it slide but they're so hard to watch because they're so wildly inconsistent about all of those things and i think that's the part that drives me nuts most about this team and so the more i think a little bit more about why this team is so hard to watch i think some of it is a little bit of arrogance on wink martindale and greg roman and the whole coaching staff's part because they were so good last year that it gave them some room to be able to not feel like they had to do this but to me Greg Roman seems to think that he knows what defenses are going to do, and he calls his plays based on what he thinks they're going to do. And so instead of calling his plays based on what has happened in the current game and what is in front of him and what he has set up to do, he runs plays based on these opportunities for things that he thinks are going to happen. And that's the thing that drives me the most nuts because – teams aren't doing those things and they either have figured out that he's like isolated some of those ten- tendencies and gotten him better at self scout, or they just don't do the same things because Lamar Jackson makes them do different things. And so being in, instead of being in tune in, of what he's seeing in front of him, we aren't seeing these big plays. And so the example that I give for that is sometimes you see Lamar on some of these play action plays where everything is blocked up and he's got a solid three and a half seconds and he looks down the field and he looks and he looks and nothing is open. To me, that says that the Ravens are trying to attack something and it didn't open up. But at the same time, you see these short passes to guys like Snead and Andrews and the stuff that's underneath. And, and you see guys that are getting open at the second level for that, but you see Lamar throwing the short passes. And instead of taking the same looks and doing the same thing later and baiting the defenders into doing the ex- playing it like the last play that they saw and then pumping or looking deeper or looking to the second level because they know what the defense is going to do, Instead, they run these other plays that are wildly unsuccessful, um, and, and I think you know you know that's what happened in the Patriots game to me. It's like it's it's partially Skura's fault that he's snapping a really terrible snap to Mark Ingram on fourth down, but why in the rain are you doing a direct snap out of the shotgun to Mark Ingram, right? In the rain, why are you running shotgun every single snap when Matt has already botched snaps? It's like, what what is what are we watching that we're disappointed in on film that Greg Roman isn't seeing? Like, where where is the gap between all of us that aren't enjoying what we're watching? And what, like, is Greg Roman thinking that they're just doing all these great things and he's, he's down with his game plan? You know, I, I, that's my big question. It's like, either get smarter before the game or start looking at what's happening while it's happening. And I'm really ragging on Greg Roman because I think that the offense could be a lot better than it is. But Wayne Martindale was victim of this last week as well. He needed to make adjustments halfway through the first quarter, after the first drive, and he didn't. And it took until early in the fourth quarter for him to make some of those adjustments, and that's when the Ravens really seemed to get it together on defense. And so it's just like, guys, just, just, just react to what you're seeing on film. If Belichick or the other coach changes what they're doing, great. You're at the advantage. You've now forced them out of what they were doing. Adjust to that. And it seems like every other team in the NFL does that, and it seems like this year – the Ravens don't, and I think slash and rant. That's where I am on the Ravens this year.
1: I, I think a lot of what you said is accurate. Um, I, I would, I don't know if arrogance is the word I would use. Maybe stubbornness, but maybe there's not that much difference between the two. Um, I, I think you're right in the fact that you know the adjustments have come too little, too late in a lot of senses. Um, you know, like against. The Colts, we didn't really see adjustment until coming out into the second half. And it made a huge difference. Um, against the Patriots, it seemed like it was like the end of the third quarter, being the fourth quarter, and before the, the defense really started figuring out how to how to you know defend what the Patriots were doing in their run game. Um they just didn't really seem to have an answer at the time where it seemed like it was necessary to have that answer. And a lot of times this year they they've played teams that haven't had the talent level. Or the coaching level to be able to you know beat the ravens even though the ravens weren't executing at the level they need to and and in the, and the pats um, they're well coached they have a really good offensive line they were able to run the ball um really effectively and, and it took the ravens too long to adjust to that and i think moving forward um that's something that we're going to have to hope to see that, uh, that the ravens are going to be able to make adjustments on the fly in the game see what opponents are doing on offense see what they're doing on defense and figure out what you have in the playbook that can counteract that, and you don't have to be, you know, a, a genius to be able to dissect film over after a drive is over. Like you can go and look and see how a team is defending you, you know, what they're doing on offense, and figure out, okay, this is what I need to do to to counter that. And I don't see why that's something that's that's so difficult to do. Uh, like you said, their teams most teams in the NFL are doing that successfully on a regular basis. If you're not doing that, if you're not making those adjustments in game, you're going to lose unless like you have, you know, a multiple score advantage in these games. And, you know, the Ravens to some extent have had that luxury this year. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we've been able to see is them basically skirt by on their talent level. Um, And now that the talent level is starting to come back to a more regular, even level because of injuries because of I mean players just not maybe playing at the level that we had expected and maybe some of that is coaching and scheme as well for whatever reason they're not playing at the same level that we saw last year and you already mentioned that you know there were times last year where the the offense looked ugly there were times last year um, where the defense wasn't quite as good as we might have remembered it um and I think the thing that we do remember are the games like, like you said, the Rams game or the, the Jets game where, you know, where Jackson's throwing for like five touchdowns, and being incredibly efficient or the Dolphins game, you know, those games really helped kind of put those stats and elevate the stats to a level where um, was, was incredibly like impressive, incredibly at an MVP level. Um, but we didn't see that consistently throughout the entire season, um, even in the 12 game win streak that the Ravens had to finish the year. There were times when they didn't look great. You know, they could have lost a couple of those games. They just managed to have the ball bounce their way. The Pittsburgh game, for instance, like you mentioned, the, the first Pittsburgh game, and then and the Bills game was pretty close, even though they, they pretty much had the you know the Bills uh, wrapped up on defense the entire time. Um, and 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 the San Francisco Niners game that could have game, easily could have gone either way. So I think the, the lesson is that. A lot of things are are pretty close in the NFL. Two teams are are very, um, you know, often pretty close in in what they can do in terms of their overall skill level. Um, And that's what we're seeing this year. And we're seeing them not be as dominant as what we'd expect. And, you know, I think they just need to put some new wrinkles in there. They need to figure some things out, um, maybe on both sides of the ball. And I think we've seen more of that on defense than we have on offense. There have been some injections of different things on offense too. But now that, um, you know, some of these in- injuries have really started to mount up that there really has to be some major adjustments going forward.
0: Yeah, well, and so let's start that conversation about what it looks like moving forward. And we, we can't avoid the conversation around injuries at this point. You know, there are they've been significant and they've been at key positions and key players um, and. You know, looking at the defensive side of the ball, other than Tavon Young, it doesn't seem like there are any issues from an injury front that should be lingering. It doesn't look like Campbell or Williams are going to play this week against the Titans, which is disappointing, but I'd rather they not play and be healthy for the Pittsburgh game if, if that's the trade off, regardless. Um, but um, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously Stanley is a huge injury, um, but the line seems to be like tweaked enough and, and, Obviously not, or, or not obviously, but perhaps not a huge drop-off in terms of their performance. Um, but the Nick Boyle injury, I think, is going to be a big one. Um, he's been, you know, obviously asked to do even more with the trade of Hayden Hurst. And now this kind of adds a totally different layer to what that looks looks like and how they're going to approach it moving forward. Um, and so, you know, those injuries are ones where y- you've got significant number of starters down for, you know, going into this this the past Pittsburgh game and then into the new England game, I'd say, you know, one of the tougher stretches that the Ravens knew was coming um, when the season started.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a bad time for the injuries to crop up because this is definitely the hardest stretch of the Ravens season. Um, the Titans game is going to be tough without those two guys in the middle. Campbell and Williams have really been, you know, the Ravens answer in their, in their kind of early down nickel package where they have two really stout run defenders Um, that are very capable on the field together. And you can put, you know, um, more linebackers and defensive backs around them and still have really good run defense. And that's been the key to their their success earlier in the season. Now Campbell is out. Brandon Williams is probably out. That's going to affect your ability to stop the run. And the Ravens do have some depth of print, but they don't have the same quality of player. Um, We saw Justin Ellis come in and play 40 snaps. Um, I don't think he was awful in that role. Um, It could have been worse. Um, but I think that he's, he's not someone who's going to move the needle in terms of uh, like someone who's going to be a difference maker in the, the Ravens' defensive line. Um, you know, We saw Derek Wolf play a larger role. He's been banged up a little bit this year. He's actually come on strong. I thought he had played a really good game against the Patriots, actually. Um, he's one of the few guys who was able to really make an impact um, in that game up front. And then you have Justin Matabike, who's you know going to have to step into a bigger role now. Um, we've seen him out there more often, Um, he seems like he's a solid run defender. He's, he hasn't really become an elite pass rusher yet, but he's someone who I think can develop into that. So, you know, we have to watch these players and expect them to really take the next step. Um, at least temporarily to, while the Ravens get a little healthier on the defensive line, but like you said, I I think the rest of the defense is getting healthier. Um, LJ and Jimmy Smith are probably back this week, which which is really big. I think their absence was noted last, last week. Um, and I think that on offense, obviously losing Nick Boyle um, has a huge impact on, on the way that the, the team can, can really play their offensive game. Like they can't do the things that they want to do in terms of pe- personnel with two tight ends on the field when Nick Boyle's out. So now you have Mark Andrews, um, and he's still the only tight end they have on the roster. They're probably going to call up Luke Wilson from the practice squad this year that they just signed just to have a second tight end on the roster but they don't really have anybody there. Um, and Luke Wilson is not Nick Boyle. He's not someone who's going to be able to you know, be a dominant blocker. Um, he's not going to be able to get out in front and and you know do some of those really impressive plays that, that Boyle is able to do where he blocks one guy and then cut blocks another. Um, he's just one of the best guys um, for what the Ravens try to do in space with Lawrence Jackson and some of the quick-hitting um, passing game they have too. So it's going to be tough to, to replace him without kind of having a fundamental shift in how they do it um, conduct their offense and how they scheme up on offense. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what the Ravens decide to do With the, without the a guy like Boyle. They can't play as much 12 personnel. They can't play the 22 personnel that they were playing a lot of. They're going to have to go to more of a you know a traditional, I'll say traditional their quotes, but they're going to do the more 11 personnel look, I would imagine, in offense for the most part, with, with a mix in of, of 21, too, with, with some of Patrick McCart.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to go back to the defense real quick from what you were talking about with the run defense first, which is that, you know, since since I'm willing to turn any Raven that, well, I, I haven't gotten on Matt Scurry yet, so Greg Roman, <laughs> to a lesser extent, wink, um, Matt Scurry, you're next, but for the moment, Patrick Queen is a guy that I think we got to talk about, and we got to talk about You know, Queen was just out of position a lot, both in run and pass defense last week. And he seems lost and he seems unable to figure out what he wants to or needs to do in those situations. And the Ravens have got to figure out what they want to do about that. They've got to decide if they want to bench him in the situations where they don't want to use him. If they want to use him more as a pass rusher and like let him play in that a gap rush type role that they use McPhee and Judon in sometimes. And I'm totally fine if they reduce him down to that role for right now. I think that Chris board looked fine last week, but I'm also okay with them just going with different options leading up to that and different packages that don't necessarily include Patrick queen at this point. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I don't know if the Ravens are willing to take him off the field yet. Um, although I think they should be. That's that's something we'll have to wait and see um, where they are with with that. Because, like you said, he is consistently out of position. And it's not just against the pass. It's, it's also against the run. He, sometimes he's um, not lining up properly. He's not filling the right, you know, kind of gap. He's, he's not doing a good job of getting off blocks. Um, and he just seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, I think... I think it's one of those things with, with a rookie a lot of times he's processing and not, not just reacting. And he doesn't have the instincts. He's not letting his instincts kind of take over.
0: Yeah. Well, but then he needs to let his instincts take over. And and, and to me, it's like one of those things where if you're going to miss miss badly <laughs> or yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know what it is, because like on the on the third down conversion late in the game, that one really hurt because he was in position to make that play. And he just kind of hesitated and, you know, he didn't trust the guys behind him. And so it's almost like and I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's almost like we'd be better off if Earl Thomas was playing inside linebacker instead of Patrick Queen and making those gambles in those situations to take those things away to let guys behind him make plays and opportunities. You know, Queen has just got to, he's got to make a decision and he's got to go hit holes harder. He's got to make more emphatic decisions in terms of what he's trying to accomplish or in run defense, he needs to stay in his gap. Um, and, and we saw a lot of this last year early from Kenny Young and from uh, and from Peanut, where they would not stay in their gap because they thought that they could read the running back's eyes or his vision of where he was going to go.
1: And they were wrong.
0: Regularly, and Patrick Queen continues to fall victim to those exact same kind of looks.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think some of this is also on the coaching staff um, and and how they're using him. And I, I think they kind of need to strip down his his assignment and his responsibilities a little bit and let him, you know, have a very simple kind of role in the defense. And like you said, you know, use him as a blitzer more often, whether that's shooting a gap or like, like a kind of an assigned gap, like you need to like shoot through the a gap. And, and, and if you're not going to tackle, make the tackle, you need to force the guy to bounce and someone else can, you know, tackle him on the edge or maybe have him blitz off the edge. Um, like we kind of saw the Ravens do at the end of last game against the Patriots. They started bringing, you know, crashing someone off the edge to kind of force the Patriots to, you know, be a little more decisive in the run game. And it worked pretty well. Um, I think that's something that you might see a little bit of in this game. And I think that might be a role where Queen can be used because if you have him dropping into coverage, into a zone or in demand coverage, he is going to probably make a mistake because we've seen it, you know, more times than not, he doesn't really know where he's supposed to be um, and things are happening around him. We've seen him get lost in coverage repeatedly. He's getting burned for touchdowns. He's Like you said, that third down conversion late in the game, his man was right in front of him. Instead, he's dropping, you know, 10 yards behind him to try and fill some zone that doesn't matter. Um, He just doesn't have the awareness on the field of what's going on. He doesn't understand his role of where he is in a specific down distance. And until we start seeing him be having more of that football intelligence, it's just really hard to trust him. Yeah, well, I think you're right.
0: It it comes down strictly to coaching. And ultimately what the coaches need to do is narrow his role um, to where he can focus on one thing or another, right? Because one of the things that I think we've seen is that so, like on screenplays, we see Queen over pursued to his man, and everyone's like, oh, he needs to be aware that the play is coming back to his other side so that the man that he is chasing down the tight end doesn't block him out of the play. Right. So then all of a sudden, Patrick Queen has got all these thoughts when he's in whatever he's doing running through his head about how he's supposed to approach it. And like, what I, I don't know what it is but he just can't process that stuff yet and so the ravens need to put him in a situation where he doesn't have that much to choose in front of him and it makes it a little bit easier that might be easier said than done and i think that if they feel like they can't do that then i do think they need to sit him down but we'll see i, I think he would have been sat down sooner if lj fort was healthier um and we've seen good snaps from malik harrison malik harrison is a freaking man like Malik Harrison at times is unblockable or if not unblockable, he will take a blocker completely out of a play, which the Ravens don't really have a guy other than Calais Campbell that can do that. And sometimes Brandon Williams has done that this year too, but Malik Harrison is going to take his guy out of a play. And he's a guy that I'm okay. Sometimes making those mistakes because he seems to make up for it in other places and other times. Um, But, you know, talking about the coaching staff and putting guys in a position to succeed, let's talk about the offensive line. You know, It's it's Matt Skura's turn, right? (laughs) It's it's totally unacceptable that people are giving his family and his wife a hard time externally to all of this. That being said, he needs to be able to snap the ball or the Ravens need to take him out of that position. The Ravens took DJ Fluker out of the right tackle spot and moved a guy that is known for not having exceptionally long arms and, and supposed to be a guy that's supposed to play on the interior of the offensive line and let him play right tackle instead. And yet they won't replace Matt Scurra, who has had consecutive weeks now of snapping issues. And I think snapping issues before that, as I recall it, I haven't I'd have to go back and look a little bit more carefully. But I would bet that he's had problems if you look at it all year long. And I know he has. Um, So, you know, what we're hearing now is that the Ravens are going to do a little bit of a switcheroo um, and we're going to see Scurra move to guard. We're going to see Bozeman move to center. Is that it? And then see Ben Powers play right guard, who did well enough after he came in last week and McCarty stayed right tackle. I mean, what took so long? That's my question.
1: I don't know what took so long. Um, I I think that there is definitely some... Harbaugh likes to to give his veterans a little bit of leash. I think we've seen that throughout the years. Um, Players that have been there for a few years, sometimes they're given precedent or given priority and given a little bit longer time to fail than versus other players. Um, and I, th- I think that's something that has been into a detriment at times. Um, I think with this instance, um, y- you feel bad for scarra because of what he had to overcome to kind of even get back on the field. Um, and, you know, there've been times where he's he's played okay. I don't think he's, really played horribly until the past few weeks. And that's not just the the snapping of the ball. I think he's also been, you know, fairly poor to horrendous and run blocking. He's often getting pushed backwards instead of moving forward. Um, and I don't know if they're kind of combined with his confidence in shot. He just doesn't feel like he has the, I don't know, the wherewithal to, to be the player that he needs to be. Um, maybe benching him is just kind of what needs to light a fire under his butt. Um, we'll kind of see if that's something that helps. I don't know if he's actually going to get benched. We don't know entirely what's going to happen. Um, you know, we could go out and see the same lineup that we saw before with, with, with Fluker out there at right tackle and, and uh, Macari, right guard, um, still at center. I don't know. I think they're probably trying a bunch of different things right now just to see what is the best kind of, you know, five players that they can put out there. It's not great to have to do that at this point in the season, um, you'd like to have a better plan in place. But the one thing that I can say for sure is Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be a left tackle. He's looked fantastic. He has been, you know, a godsend out there after after what happened with Stanley. You know, we, we expected kind of this huge drop-off, but Brown hasn't been a drop-off at all. He's been amazing. Um, right tackle, Makari, I thought he played great there last week. So clearly, you know, the team knew that Makari was capable of playing right tackle. Um, but then, you know, he was being – played in right guard because the Ravens lost Phillips. So, you know, when you're down a couple of players and you have a couple other players who are playing below par, it's really hard to figure out where you want to put your, your guys in the best place to succeed. Um, so I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Um, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we had the same five tried out there as last week. It might be the same five tried out there in different positions. I don't know, maybe they'll put Fluker at, at guard. Um, Powers is the one player I think is kind of the wild card here. And also, you know, if you have Ben Reedson who hasn't really played at all this year, so maybe those two guys are given a chance. I don't know, but I do think something should change. Um, and I, th- I think that, with that in mind, um, I think the the best thing to do is probably to have Bozeman at center. Um, he's a natural center. I think Makari's great at a right guard and or right tackle, and then you can plug in Reedson and Powers at the guard positions. I, that that's what I would do. I would I would not have Scar out there. I wouldn't have Luker out there. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what, what they decided to
0: do. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm okay with, uh, I wonder, it's not easy to snap the ball on then block. Um, and if you're a little behind in terms of health, maybe being a guard is going to be okay for Skrull and maybe getting that half a second or half a beat in order to be better is, is what he needs for this year. So uh, I'll be okay with giving it a look and, and we'll see. But you know what, we're going to have to see a different game plan to help all these guys on the line out. You were talking about the personnel. We're going to see less. I mean, they're, they're going to be obviously no snaps with Boyle, Andrews and Ricard on the field. If we see any snaps with that aren't jumbo package with Andrews, Wilson and Ricard on the field together this week, I'm going to break my television. It, it, it's that simple, right? There there is, there is no justification for that, in my opinion, on Greg Roman's part. And if there is, then... I'll stand firm on my opinion of arrogance um, and I'll call it that. But I hope he's smarter than that. Um, I don't want to see it, but, but I do want to see the Ravens change it up. And Greg Roman said this week, we're here to forge a new identity. It sounds like the next star Wars trilogy, right? (laughs) Like, Like we are here to forge a new identity. Like, Lamar Jackson's our Mace window like what are we like what are we going to do differently at this point moving forward and and how are they going to maximize this talent that they have not found a way to maximize at all, in any way this year um okay that maybe is taking it too far we've still seen a little razzle dazzle from Lamar a few times but the ravens have just not put him in position to succeed in the way that I'd like to see you know what would you like to see the ravens do this week
1: so we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording and Obviously, you know, there was a football game on earlier tonight. This is Thursday night, by the way. Um, and the TLC Hawks are playing the Arizona Cardinals. And I was watching the Cardinals play. And and you look at look at that team and you and you see, you know, their run game is pretty effective. Um and they don't have, I don't think, much better personnel. Um, maybe they have more talent at wide receiver, uh, but they don't have great talent at tight end. You know, they have a similar athletic type of quarterback. You have good, maybe not elite running backs. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is really the one difference maker that they have in that offense. Um, aside from that, it's not at an at incredibly higher level than what, what the Ravens have. Um, so the question is, how are they executing so highly and having such a potent offense with a similar talented quarterback, I think, to what the Ravens have Lamar Jackson? And why can't the Ravens kind of do similar things? And I think one of the things you look at is the personnel usage. The, the Cardinals do a little bit of 12 personnel, but they mostly run out of 11. So they're spreading teams out and they're, you know, having their five offensive offensive linemen do a lot of the work up front. And they're using kind of, um, you know, smart um, kind of delayed handoffs. They're using some like screen game. They're using some of the the zone reads kind of stuff. Um, And it works for them. You know, they haven't been like the best team or the best offense in the NFL by any stretch, but they have been more explosive. and, And Kyler Murray has scored 10 touchdowns, uh, running the ball this year. And, and he has more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson did last year. So I, d- I don't think that what they're doing is is so crazy that, that the Ravens couldn't do some of those similar things with the personnel that they have. They just have to be able to adapt. They have to say, okay, instead of running out of heavy sets, we're going to have to look like we're passing and then run the ball. And I think that's the way that they can attack teams. Um, pass the ball when teams expect you to run, run the ball when expect you expect them to pass, use some of these motions um, use your wide receivers to block well you know i think that's something that we saw a lot last year where the ravens would have wide receivers motion or we would have or would have them come and do these crackback back box maybe not crackback, but like the legal kind of box to pick off um, defensive backs and that would give lamar jackson these wide open lanes um, and we just really haven't seen that this much this year and a lot of times it takes one block to kind of spring that kind of long gain and i think if they can devise some type of, of blocking scheme with, with the wide receivers to get Jackson some, you know, some runs on the perimeter. I think that will go a long way as well. So those are some of the things that I'm looking for. I do think you want to be a little bit more intentional with your passing as well. I want to see, you know, still using a lot of play action, but do it out of the shotgun, do it out of the pistol. You don't have to do it out of heavy. You can still do it out of spread. And then you can just do the, some of this quick passing, hit, hit the slants, hit the skinny posts. You can do some, some screens to the wide receivers and I think that's the that's the recipe that you have for success.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's easy for me. And I've been saying this for a while now. I just want to see the Ravens be deceptive on every single snap. <laughs> Show something that you're not doing and that, that is a tendency that it seems like you're going to do and then don't do it. It's, it's that simple, you know, and, and that's self-scouting. That's a guy that I mean, if the Ravens need to figure out how to do it, they can pay me. I will come work for them. I will put in a hundred hours a week. All I will do is watch film. I will tell them what I think their tendencies are when they line up in certain ways. And then they can they can know the to- feign to whatever that is and to do something different. It it is not that complex. There are, but that's how the Costa got started with the Ravens, right? This whole idea that they have these like, what, like these 10 interns that work 100 hours a week, right? Then they call them like the 10, 100, or I I forget what they call them. But like, there were these interns that just worked their butts off, watched a lot of film, like self scout, like, like hard work and preparation. I trust that the Ravens are still doing that. It just doesn't seem like the results are there. And, and, and I hope that we, we we get to see that this upcoming week. And, you know, that's the big question, right? Because this is a big game with the Titans. Like, and you and I have talked about this. The the schedule moving forward is rather simple or rather easy. When you look at the last five games of the year, the last five games of the year are shockingly easy. They are five games that the Ravens should win all of and and should do so rather handily. Um If that happens, then it doesn't really matter what happens in any of the rest of these games that puts this team in playoff position, I think regardless. But if you win this game, then you're at least on pace if you win those to win 12 or to lose one just in case something crazy happens. Lamar sprains an ankle, misses a week, something, right? And so I I think in that sense this Titans game is really big. I think in another sense, like this this Titans game comes at a particularly intriguing moment for this Ravens team, right? One the Ravens absolutely wet the bed when it came to the Titans last year. There, there's no other way of putting it. They wet the bed in the same way that they wet the bed in the Chiefs game. Like I was I was in Vegas for both games, all in on the Ravens for both games. And they did the, the biggest letdowns I, I think I've ever seen. I've watched a team that I've been rooting for happened in both of those games. So I think that the Ravens in some sense have to have this game circled on their calendar in the sense of saying, we have got to at least play a more than competent game here to prove to not everybody else, but ourselves, that when the moment calls for it, for us to step up, that we're ready to do that and we're going to do it. And so I think that's the thing that, from a big picture, I'm looking at the most. And if I'm John Harbaugh, I'm going in the locker room and I'm pointing at every guy that was there last year and every guy that played in the Chiefs game this year and saying, "Are you the guys that played in those two games? Are you got the guys that are going to play in the game that we're going to have tonight?" or to this afternoon and be the, be a different team and be different people and approach this in a different way.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm sure that as soon as the schedule came out and and this game was put there on the schedule, this was a team, this was a game that everybody in that locker room circled and said, this is the game where we're going to come out and we're going to show them who we really are. Because you know, as well as, as I do that every single player on that Ravens roster from last year was, incredibly incredibly disappointed in how the season ended and they felt horrible they felt like they left themselves down they let their fans down they let the city Baltimore down um and they did they they let us all down and it was really disappointing um and this is a chance to partially redeem yourself you know the, the Titans um They've they've had a similar season, I think, to the Ravens in a, in a lot of ways. They've they've had some ups and downs. at different times where they've looked like really really good, and times where you're kind of like, what what is this team? They just lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and I think a lot of it, you know, it starts with with Derrick Henry, right? Like that's what their team is is based around. It's based on Derrick Henry and their run game, and then you have you know a capable quarterback who's he's really good in in play action um but it all starts with their run game and and their offensive line um and one of the things that we've seen is their offensive line has gotten banged up they lost taylor Lewin for the season um their right tackle um yeah conklin from last year we left in free agency so they're already down a couple players and then their injury report they have i think three guys who are out or who have been limited or out of practice this week so they're very banged up up front and that's you know that's fortunate for the Ravens because they're also really banged up up front so a a defensive front that isn't quite as dominant as it has been all season is going to be playing an offensive line that's also missing players so I think um, what the Ravens need to do is is match up well um, in the run of the game and they have to be able to slow down Derrick Henry and if you can do that then you pretty much take away what the Titans do best. Now they also have a few good receivers, um, but a lot of their receiving game is predicated on taking shots downfield off play action. Um, and and if you can kind of you know slow down their run game, if you can take Derrick Henry and put him on the sidelines because he's been ineffective, and and that they're down a couple scores, that's when the the Titans' passing game kind of falls apart because they don't have necessarily the guys who are going to consistently win one-on-one down the field. And Ryan Tannehill is not someone who's going to consistently make great plays if he's not protected by a good run game and play action game. So if the Ravens can get to get to, to stop the run and pressure Tannehill, I think they have a really good chance of winning this game. Um and I didn't even mention the Titans defense, which has not been very good this year. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, you gotta think that Marlon Humphrey had this game in particular circled the, the touchdown that he gave up on the one play action pass was pretty miserable last year um, and and all in all, probably a pretty big and influential play. Um, the, it felt like the tide, I think that was right after the Lamar fumble in the second half Um, and it felt like that really turned the tide of the game. That might not be the right sequence of how that happened.
1: I think it was after they failed a fourth down conversion.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So after the Ravens turned the ball over, gotcha. Um, (laughs) So, but, but Humphrey had to be, has to be smarting over that kind of a little bit historically, I think, um, and wanting to make up for that a little bit. I think he's got to rally Marcus Peters and and rally the secondary to say, Hey, we're not going to let these guys beat us deep on that one play. Like we did the last time, I think without some of the big plays that the Ravens ended up giving up in the passing game to the Titans, even what they allowed Derrick Henry, was other than the judon missed tackle on the one big third down run was not a lot of long runs it was just a lot of volume um and they couldn't get off the field but that happens sometimes when you're on regular third and shorts uh you you know i can live with that to a degree um it was the big long plays there were probably three or four of them in that game that really bit the ravens in the butt um so i i hope the secondary has it circled in their their kind of their own way. And you want to see Patrick Queen step up and see, see those guys. But I think even beyond that, you know, like you were just saying the Ravens pass rush should be able to get home on Ryan Tannehill. there. There's without Taylor Lewin, without kind of without the same offensive line that we saw in the Titans game last year, that's what makes this team not as good. This Tennessee team, not as good. And it's why you see their DVO DVOA kind of slipping a little bit and why you don't see as much efficiency from them overall, both, from a run blocking and a pass blocking perspective, um, the Ravens are going to have to pick and choose how they deploy Madjudan and Unique and Gakaway, though. Um, they did a bad job of it last week, and they, you know, they were it, it seemed like the Ravens were afraid. And this is somewhat justified because I think at one point in the Patriots game they made the adjustment and they went with a heavier package. And then the Patriots went into a really, really, really fast hurry up, like the fast kind of hurry up that you can't get substitutions in. Right. Um, And I think teams should still try and substitute against that anyway, because I think they can um, if they're smart about it, but the Ravens seem to be afraid after that of letting Ferguson and McPhee get caught in the game for too long, which I can understand. I mean, um, in McPhee's part, you don't want him to get hurt. In Ferguson's part, You just don't want him to be overexposed. But alternatively, Judon and Ngakwe were just getting mauled in the running game. Um, And so they've got to be able to be smart about making some of those kind of decisions and figure out how they want to handle that this week. And and I'll be really interested to watch kind of what their decision making is along those lines. But I think Wink's also got to get back to his roots. Like, we haven't seen creative, challenging blitzes from Wink for a while now and he hasn't challenged anybody in kind of big third downs or in at least in some of those isolated situations and i'd like to see the ravens get back to that too
1: yeah i think that wink has kind of dialed it back um in recent weeks um i'm not entirely sure i think part of that is matchups and the quarterbacks that they've played um, I think they that wink is less prone to doing those types of you know, heavy blitz packages against the more the, the veteran quarterbacks, as opposed to some of the the younger quarterbacks that you know aren't really as decisive in terms of understanding um, what's going on um, in the in the field around them and being able to identify those blitzes. Um, so Tannehill is he's a veteran, you know, he's been around for a while now, um, and I think that he is still not as good at it as some of the other quarterbacks who've been around as long as he is. He, he's prone to taking sacks. Um, he, I think, um, and Tennessee is prone to giving up sacks. So I think this is definitely a game where, where, like you said, you know, wink can turn up the pressure a little bit, but it's not going to matter if if they can't get off the field because of the run defense. So, um, the run defense is really the key to me. I think the Ravens pass rush will be there if, if necessary. Um, and I think, I think it will be there, you know, regardless. Um, but I think it's all about slowing down Derek Henry in this game. And if you can do that, I think they'll be in good shape. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Ravens offense and what they can do in this game too, because, you know, Tennessee's had a little bit of a break. They played last Thursday. Um, so they have, I guess, a 10 day kind of, you know, prep for, for this game. Um, but when they played, they did not look very impressive and they got carved up, by the Colts' offensive line and their running running game. Um, and also Philip Rivers, I think, threw over 300 yards against them. Uh, and this was the same Philip Rivers who looked pretty poor against the Ravens just the previous week. So they have some issues on offense. I, I don't think their secondary is, is, is very good. They're a little banged up. But I think the Ravens will be able to run on them. Um, even with a depleted offensive line without Nick Boyle, I think the Ravens have the, you know, the ability to to use guys like J.K. Dobbins, um, and maybe we even still see a little bit of Justice Hill because I think this is the kind of team you want to attack with speed. Um, you don't want to run up the middle necessarily, but I think you can beat them on the edges. Um, you know, Clowney has been in and out of the lineup too. He's probably their best defender, even though he's not having a great season. Um, in terms of statistically what, what he's doing, he's also been banged up a little bit too. So I think that's where you can really attack the Titans on the on the other side, Harold Landry, he's not a great run defender either. Attack them on the edges. Um, you know their, their best player on defense is probably um, Jeffrey Simmons, at second year defensive tackle, who's he's really become a, a good player for them in the interior of the defensive line. Um, you know they traded away Darrel Casey for some reason that I don't understand. Um, but you know they they really have some issues along defense, and they've been banged up on a lot of different positions. So. Mm-hmm. I think that this is really a week where the Ravens kind of break out of their offensive slump and really put up some yards and put up some points.
0: What I really want to know is why your dog disagrees with you so much. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think you, I think you called that. And look, here, here's the thing, like this is a podcast about the upcoming week for the Ravens. And for once, and this is to the Ravens advantage. I think we don't know what we're going to see from them, right? Like it's, it's every week up until this point, we've been waiting for them to see and do something differently than what they've been doing this entire time. And they haven't done it. And now we're in a position where the Ravens are essentially forced to do something different than what they've done before. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do with passing options. I mean, the Ravens have all these five wide receiver sets that they've been running or five wide sets they've been running all year. So the concepts and the things of what they've been doing, should not be foreign to them, right? At this point you should have at least like the kind of ways that you want to attack. And the Ravens have shown the ability to use high, low and motions and all these different kinds of things in these more wide receiver heavy sets when they want to. So are they really going to be able to do it moving forward? And what's that going to look like, you know, when they do.
1: Well, I don't think they need to necessarily go five wide um, because I think we've seen time and time again that, or not even five wide, but like, you know, basically nobody in the backfield. So yeah, you have a running back, but you, you, run them out into like this this slot wide receiver or something. Um, I think they need to have that running back as kind of a threat Um, and maybe even keep someone like Mark Andrews in in an inline position, so to, to give a little bit more of a look of somebody who could um, maybe be in for, for blocking, um, and that's one of the things that I'm interested in seeing is, is what's Mark Andrews' role going to be in, in this coming offense because he's basically been a glorified receiver for the Ravens in a, in a lot of senses. You know, he has kind of turned it on his blocking ability, um, but he's more so of a blocker um, in space and not so much of an inline blocker. Um, I think he probably can do a little bit of that. You know, he's a pretty big guy. He's a strong strong, um, player. um, And his blocking is underrated, I think. Um, But I'm curious to see how the Ravens use him now that he's really the only tight end they have. Um, Because that's been such an instrumental piece of their offense. He's not Nick Boyle, and I don't think they can use him like Nick Boyle. But is he someone that's now going to be out there like 90% of the snaps or are they going to, you know, take him off the field at times, um, you know, put who they have Wolf on, on the practice squad and, and they have Wilson as well. So maybe one of those guys will get a call up. I would imagine. Um, but it's hard to see either one of them having a really big role in the offense, but getting back to your point with with like spreading out the, you know, the, the, the defense and having guys, you know, lined up and the roles will be in the offense Ravens have, you know, wide receivers. They have decent wide receivers. Willie Sneed has been someone who I think is impressed over the past couple of weeks. He's really come on strong. Um, he's taken advantage of some of the coverage that that Andrews and Brown have gotten on the outside. And I think, you know, Lamar Jackson is getting back to trusting him. Um, and he's someone who I think will be an important player in this game and the rest of the season moving forward. Um, and Duvernay, I think, as well. I think Duvernay is someone who we're really going to see come on. Strong um, down the stretch because he showed me a lot this year. He showed me more of, as a route runner than I was expecting. He's explosive after the catch. You can use him on these kind of jet motions and jet sweeps. And give him a ball in the end around. Um, he's very versatile, and I th- I think he you know he's a he's someone who really catches the ball. He doesn't he doesn't drop it. I haven't seen him. I don't know if he's dropped the ball once this time all year. So uh, maybe he had one drop on like a on a wide receiver screen, but regardless, I think. The Ravens do have the weapons to spread teams out. And I think, um, you know, they can do some things in the passing game with that and they can also run out of it. So I think this is what we're going to see this week against the Titans. They don't really have the defensive players to line up against the Ravens. And I, I think that there's, you know, a lot that we can still see with this Ravens offense um, that we have yet to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, th- that's it, right? You know, it, it's a big question. I think there are some other options for the Ravens that you didn't talk about. Boykin can play a little closer in line because he's a big body. We've seen him be effective as a blocker. They could also go with an offensive lineman as the third tight end and and go heavy and run out of that formation. I would be one hundred percent okay with the Ravens moving into that set because. To look, let's be honest, right? Like teams were seeing Boyle and Andrews and Mercard in on one, the same play and they knew they were going to run the ball. So what's the difference in, in terms of making that an offensive lineman, right? Um, I think that can make your play action a little bit more effective. It can make your pass blocking a little bit more effective in those instances. Put the guard inside McCurry, make McCurry the outside guy, and then maybe you don't have a free edge rusher coming into Lamar's face on these multi-blocking situations and it lets you slide the line more easily. I don't know. I'd like to see the Ravens get creative there. I think this week is an interesting test case for us. This will be the first time this year that we'll have watched the Ravens and they'll really have to do something different on offense. And there'll be a good chance to kind of like analyze and break it down. So I'm looking forward to the podcast next week Um, and looking forward to how we're going to kind of, what we're going to see and how we'll break that down. And I'm, and I'm, cautiously optimistic that whatever iteration of that is that we see is going to be one that that's going to be a positive one. But all that being said, the Titans have Derrick Henry, the Ravens are banged up on both sides of the ball. What do you think is going to happen this week?
1: I think the Ravens win. Um, I think that they, you know, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder now. I think they're frustrated um, not only with their, obviously with the playoff loss last year, uh, I think they feel like they should have won against Pittsburgh and I feel like they feel like they totally let one slip through the fingers against the, against the Patriots. So I think they're going to be hungry. I think they're going to want to go out there and prove the doubt is wrong and really come out and, and play a very focused football game. Um, that is going to be my, my prediction. I, th- I don't think it's going to be close. I think the Ravens win by at least 10 points. Um, and maybe I'm just like being going complete Homer here. And I might have this completely off, but I, I think they're going to come out with a sense of focus and a sense of preparation. And they're co- really going to execute at a high level in this game.
0: Yeah. You sound like me to start the year. <laughs> um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't think they're going to lose. Um, I don't think the Titans have enough firepower to beat them. I think that you just don't let Derek Henry beat you and you let Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey stay on the outside and do their thing and you'll be fine you bring Clark and Elliott closer into the box. And, you know, even if Peters or Humphrey get beat once or even twice in this game, I don't think that that will be enough for this Raven team to lose, even with the injuries that we've talked about. So I don't know that I'm going to go with a 10-point win. I think if the Ravens were fully healthy, I absolutely would say that this would be a 10 to 14-point win for the Ravens, or should be. Um, That being said, last week was just – I mean, last week in the Pittsburgh game make you really wonder (laughs) what you're going to get from this team. And even if they are performing well enough to win, whether they'll do so. Um, And so I think those questions at this point will be fair. But that being said, you know, we're going to pick players that we think are going to show up on both sides of the ball. You know, I think I think this is unique in Gakwe's week. I think that, you know, you talked about Tannehill being the kind of guy to take some sacks. Judon has been playing well he's going to continue to draw attention. And I think that you're going to be able to be good on both edges. And I think Ngakwe is due. He's that good of a player, especially in pass rush situations. And if the Ravens let him do more of that and less of having to kind of run defend, I think he's going to have a big week.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good call on defense. Um, I'm going to go with a uh, defensive back and somebody you mentioned, I think it's Wayne Marlon Humphrey, who has a big game. I think he's going to force a turnover in this one. And I think he's going to shut down AJ Brown. Um, I think between well between him and Peters, I think they're going to shut down AJ Brown and Corey Davis. I think that's you know the intention that they're going to have. And I think Marlon Humphrey is probably going to be super aggressive in, in his run defense too. He's going to take some shots on Derrick Henry, um, and I think he's going to say, you know, you you might have been able to stiff arm uh, Earl Thomas last year, but I'm I'm now the king of the secondary, and I'm I'm going to show you who's boss here. Um on offense, you know, I think this is a game where it's really hard to, to pinpoint the player that is going to stand out. Um, but I think it might actually be J.K. Dobbins. I think this might be a week where J.K. Dobbins is able to really showcase his speed, you know, shiftiness against a, a team that doesn't tackle that great. Um, I, I think he might be, able to be a guy who's going to really um, put up a pretty, pretty big week um, after, you know, not really doing so much last week. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see about Mark Ingram, um, how, how big a role he has. Um, Dobbins' role definitely diminished last week, but I think this is a game where he can be really effective. And maybe, the, the, you know, the Ravens coaching staff will see it differently than me, but if, especially if they're going to do a lot of this kind of 11 personnel, that's where Dobbins is, is best served. And I, I think he's going to probably be a guy who may, might catch the ball three or four times, and also he, he's to, he might get, you know, 10, 15 carries in this one as well.
0: Yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'm gonna go with Marquise Brown. Um, he hasn't showed it to us yet this year, but the Ravens refuse to let him work enough underneath, and for him to be enough of a first look for Lamar when he does that um, to set up the deep shots later. You're just you're not gonna be able to run a guy on nine routes ten times in a row, and on the eighth time you do it, think that you're gonna hit it. Like like that's that's the problem. You've got to run underneath, 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 underneath. Suck up that cornerback finding the opportunities when you don't have the safety over the top and then throw over the top, not rocket science. So um, I think early on, you're going to see Marquise Brown. I, look, if the Ravens go wider, which I think that they're going to have to do, if they're going to spread out, then you're going to see Brown be able to run more of these splants, skinny posts from the slot, like easy underneath quick hitches, like quick outs, like short stuff and get in sync with Lamar. And like, look to set up those deep options with the pass early, and and so maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part, and and thinking about how I would do it if I was the Ravens, but um, that would be a my that would be my approach, and so I'm gonna go with Marquise Brown as being the guy that's that's finally gonna hit it this week and be the guy that we all thought he was gonna be at the start of this year.
1: Oh, well, I would certainly love to see a Hollywood Brown real breakout um, because I feel like this year, like you said, we've all been waiting for it to happen. I've I've been a little critical about him, um, especially in the past few weeks. I feel like he's kind of made a disappearing act um, in some spots where he's been needed most. Um, But he definitely has a talent. Um, I think if he's used correctly, like you said, use some of those underneath routes, give him him the ball, allow him to use his speed and space. Um, I I think him and, and Duvernay as well, I think they can both be used really effectively in that kind of role.
0: Yeah. So here we are with, it's a big week. Um, you know, it's not a must win for the Ravens, but it'd be, it definitely falls in the category of really nice not to lose. <laughs> I don't know if that's a category, but I think that's where the Ravens kind of fall on this one. And so, you know, I'm just hopeful that the Ravens don't botch this and, uh, they take advantage of a not so great Titans team right now from a health perspective and, and don't let this one slip away, but also, and I think more importantly, build some momentum for the, the Pittsburgh game and put something on film that is going to make Pittsburgh have to think about the game on Thursday a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, because I don't, I don't know if the Ravens can go in and do this run the same script that they had against Pittsburgh in, in, the, in the previous meeting. Um, without Boyle, I don't think you can run the ball for 250 yards against the Steelers. So. They're really going to have to figure out um, some things on offense in this week. And this is great practice for you know playing a tougher defense the following week on Thanksgiving Day.
0: All right, everybody. Well, you heard it from Gabe. The Ravens are going to win by at least 10, probably by 20, maybe 30. <laughs> is that what um, I said? <laughs> but you guys, if you want to give him a hard time about his prediction that the Ravens will win by 50, you guys can find us <laughs> at Baltimore Um catch us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you at some point before Thanksgiving.